0: Hey guys, it's Deb here. Welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable. Comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Everyone, thanks so much for being here and listening to this episode of Uncomfortable. In this episode, I chat with Gail Hollingsworth, and Gail shares her experience and feelings around having an abortion. Back in two thousand and eight, when she was a full time university student training to become a nurse, Gail fell pregnant. Not really knowing what to do about it, she turned to her support network who suggested that she have an abortion just due to the fact that she was in school and she wasn't really in a financially strong place to have a baby. Now, 10 years later, and Gail feels a lot of regret over having the abortion. In our conversation, she talks about the experience that she had with medical practitioners at that time, her regret about having the abortion and the struggles that she's felt post-abortion. Now this episode is a very emotional one but it is a topic that needs to move out of that uncomfortable category. If you've gone through an abortion or had a miscarriage please know that you're not alone and that there is help out there. I will post some resources on our show notes for you and if you have any to share then please send them my way and I'll be happy to add them. While listening to this episode, please make sure that you take care of yourself during and after the episode. I do hope that you enjoy our conversation, but as always, there's some adult language and it's a very adult topic. So when you're listening, it's best to pop those headphones on. Gail, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Awesome to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I know that this is a difficult conversation, so I really am very honored that you're willing to have this conversation with me and and let us kind of broadcast this because I think it's an incredibly important topic that people need to be more educated on and maybe just more understanding of. So let's just get right into the story um, about the time when you decided to have an abortion and I know we're talking quite a few years back so if you could let us know just kind of how old you were if it was a planned pregnancy what your situation was at that time.
1: Okay Um, so my situation at the time I was this happened in 2008 Um, it's one of those things um, the date stays with you so 22nd of May 2008, um, and I was, wait till I quickly do the math in my head, 24, uh, okay. coming up on 25, I was uh, at a university training to be a mental health nurse. I was in my first year at university. It was not a planned pregnancy, um, and that, led, that was part of the reason uh, that eventually I chose Abortion. Um, there was a lot going on at that time, being new in uh, university and studying, and just a lot of different things at twenty-four mm-hmm. that you have going on. Um, and it wasn't. It wasn't an easy decision. Uh, it was a very difficult decision and it was a decision ultimately that I came to regret Mm,
0: okay now and that's interesting because I I know other people who've had abortions and they were maybe in a similar situation where they were young financially they weren't in a great place they were maybe in the middle of studies so they didn't feel like they could give a child a you know a a financially secure lifestyle And they kind of look back, and even though they still know it was a hard decision and it still upsets them, it wasn't something that they've regretted. They still felt at the time they'd made the right decision. So, I like what is it now that you've kind of come to to regret, and how long did it? Did you regret it right away, or is this something that's kind of happened over time?
1: It was very confusing after it I wasn't sure whether I regretted it or not I wasn't really sure about how I felt about the whole thing Um, and I'm sure I'll get into that in a moment about the whole process and and how that and why I felt that way Um, but what I came to regret about it was feeling like I hadn't fully explored all the options um and feeling that in some ways the choice was made for me mm. because uh the choice to have an abortion was very much presented as this is the answer this is we have this problem and this is how we deal with it mm. um and that was so yeah that Feeling like I hadn't fully explored all the options and been fully informed about what I was doing and about potential, I don't want to say reper- it's not repercussions, um, but side effects and after yeah. effects of that choice, that, that made me very regretful.
0: So who had you turned to, you know, when you realized you were pregnant and, um, or who, who did you turn to for support and advice that, you know, then did kind of turn around and say, hey, this is probably the best option for you.
1: So initially was friends and family, close, mm-hmm. close friends and family. And, and I love them to death um, and fully acknowledge that they were advising me from their standpoint and I totally get that and you can't fault anybody for that because that's all anybody can do is give Mm -hmm. advice from where they are at their point in life and how they see things um so they were like look you're young you're at university there's there's plenty of time ahead for children and um and then so they had they had given their opinion and the doctor uh, when I went to see a medical professional um, to have the pregnancy confirmed and obviously as I thought discussed my options I um, basically said to the doctor I don't think I can do this as in I don't think I can continue with this pregnancy and the next thing I knew the doctor said I'll make you an appointment for the women's clinic and that was it the ball was rolling on the abortion
0: so there wasn't even a okay let's sit down and talk about what your options are and how you're feeling about it no and was that just the general kind of practitioner that you had gone to at the time yes
1: yeah just I just made an appointment with my GP because I really didn't I mean what else do you do you're just (laughs) your your head's in a total flux and uh, I thought okay you know i was I was I suppose looking back on it, I was just in panic mode hmm. um, really didn't know what to do, thought, okay, go to my doctor. So I went to my doctor, and as I say, uh, the next thing I knew, I had an appointment for the women's health clinic, um, and I went to the women's health clinic, and I had a very good supportive friend come with me, and she was awesome um, and we went in. And they said, okay, so you've got, uh, first, sorry, first of all, what they did was they sent me for a scan just to confirm the pregnancy Okay. again. Um, and there was a doctor and he did the scan and I didn't get to see the, um, sonogram. They turned okay. the did machine they, away did, from you. Oh, did they even ask if you wanted to see it? Nope. No option um the machine is turned away from you when you go into the room and all he said was yes there's a baby and yet you're eight weeks. Okay. And that was that. Then I went back through into another room with the nurse again and she said okay you've got two options um for an abortion and that was either to take pills that would induce an abortion um, or to have what they called a, a surgical abortion mm. which is where they put you under a general anaesthetic and I'd love to be able to give details as to what they actually do yeah. after the general anaesthetic but nobody ever told me. Hmm. So they didn't go through the the process of no. what would actually happen while you're under? Yeah no mm. um, and that was something that stood out to me Particularly with my nursing training, because with my nursing training, we were it was very strongly um, expressed to us about gaining informed consent from patients whenever Mm. we're going to do anything, Um, whether it be provide medication, update a care plan, anything at all. You want informed consent, and that's not just consent as in them agreeing to whatever it is it's informed consent which means you ha- they have to know what's happening mm-hmm. and why it's happening and looking back on it I find it very interesting that had it been any other medical procedure we would have gone into details we would have talked it over And I understand that some people will make the argument or well, they don't want to make people feel uncomfortable about it or yeah. it's like, That's part of the process, though, is we have to... Yeah. Um, So I have this big sort of blank in my, I guess, in my memory of the whole thing, where I remember going into the operating theatre. I don't know. I went, you know, then I was put under the general anaesthetic, so I don't know what happened then, and then I came round, and I don't... There was just this blank... So
0: did anyone sit you down afterwards and say this is what just happened? Like how was it kind of the aftercare, like the immediate aftercare?
1: Oh, immediate aftercare. Uh, Did that exist? (laughs) Not really. Um, I have a very clear memory of as I was coming round um, in recovery, Mm -hmm. my eyes weren't open yet. I was still very much um, under the latent effects of the anaesthetic. And I remember, I guess they were taking, I think they must have been taking my heart monitor, Mm. the pads off my chest, because I could feel that. And the nurse, there's two nurses over me. I was aware of two nurses. And one said to the other one, yes, she was in for one of those two. And I think there must have been someone else in Mm. for an abortion that day. And they were sort of... um, you know, discussing it above me while I yeah. was appearing to be unconscious um, wasn't treated particularly well uh, by nursing staff after it um, they would and this could entirely have been my interpretation mm-hmm. of it um, but it seemed to be as soon as they would look at the chart and discover what I was the reason for my being there there was a change in demeanour Mm. like what was how did they treat you? What kind of They were very autism? short.
0: Um
1: mm. and bedside manner was a little lacking. Uh, shall we say? Um, if I was to ask for anything because they had to keep you in for a little while after it, you know, to yeah. make sure that you're um that you are coming round, that there's not any uh, physical health issues. Mm-hmm and uh, yeah just the manner was they were very short they were very um, as if they didn't have time hmm. if they requested anything there were more important patients to deal with okay now when I'm just
0: curious as of location you went into like a regular
1: hospital yes for
0: this so they had other patients with other issues this wasn't somewhere that was like specialized
1: no this okay. was a day surgery okay. unit in just a standard regular hospital so there was people in the bed next to me that were in for completely different things okay this is uh, there was a whole mix of us we were all just in this big
0: room yeah together okay
1: um But yeah, there was no um, aftercare, certainly left a lot to be desired Uh, after getting out of that bit of recovery. um, There were uh, nurses from the women's healthcare unit who would come to the recovery to do your discharge
0: um,
1: when it's time to leave and you got given painkillers. Well, this is in my case anyway, I got given painkillers and I got given a leaflet with a list of physical health problems that could happen as a result of the abortion. Um, Things like, you know, if you notice um, cramping, fever, heavy bleeding, things like this, to either call the number, which was the number for the Women's Health Unit, Mm -hmm. or in serious cases, or if the Women's Health Unit wasn't open, to go to your nearest uh, ER department.
0: Okay.
1: Um and that was it. And I Abs- was sent home. Wow.
0: So nothing around kind of emotional oh, well being.
1: No. no, there was there was absolutely nothing of that. I remember um the morning that I went in to have the abortion and I remember just in my own head being desperate for somebody to ask me if I was sure this was what I wanted Mm. because nobody there was no conversation around it either with my GP at the women's health unit you were just as soon as the GP said she would make the referral to the women's health unit it was like being on a conveyor belt Mm, mm, so there was no going back it was it certainly didn't feel that way Um, you were just You were on a conveyor belt, you went in. Um, The morning of the procedure, I went in, I was checked in, I was put into a bed. And then the next thing I knew, there was a nurse round and she gave me some medication. And that was the start of it. Mm. And then the next thing, the anaesthetist was round to see me about, obviously, the general anaesthetic. And then the next thing I know, I'm getting wheeled into theatre. How
0: soon was the referral from the GP to the actual appointment? Like, how quickly
1: did Uh, that happen? It was about, if I remember correctly, about a week. Okay. And from from having that appointment at the Women's Health Unit, so I went to the Women's Health Unit on the 21st of May, 2008, Mm. and the abortion was done the next day. Wow so there was
0: no very fast yeah Now, like you you kind of say you regret it and feel that there should have been more options and more information laid out to you like what do you think or what would you hope for for someone who's 24 years old now going to their gp and then going to like a women's health clinic or or whatever to kind of talk about abortion what do you think should that conversation be what should what options should be presented
1: I think in my, and again, this is just my opinion of things. I think there should be conversation around other options. Like, I mean, adoption is still possible. Adoption is still an option for a lot of people. Mm. Um, Also discussion around what is true. What, is, what are the reasons that are driving a woman to seek abortion? Mm. Okay, so is it is it financial issues? Um, is it that there's a lack of uh, support for uh, what would she do? Like in, in my case, being at university, mm. how would I manage studies and childcare? care? Yeah. Um, because I think, and I know that there are women who have not regretted it, and that's great because I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Yeah. Um, But I also know that there are women who, had their situation been different, would have made a different choice. Mm -hmm. And these are the kind of things that I think need to be explored. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I understand that also it can be very stressful and you don't want to put women under any more stress than they possibly already are. But this is a big, it's a big decision. Big decision. Um, And I think we just have to be really clear um, about what's going to happen and also that what can happen afterwards and not just the physical health issues because Mm -hmm. there are so many women who carry guilt, shame, regret, afterwards and they don't know what to do with it because it's not it's not covered yeah
0: yeah it's um, not it's barely even talked
1: about mm-hmm. right it's, it's really hard um for someone someone like me in this position to say either i regret my abortion or that, that i have some other feeling other than being just okay with it mm-hmm Mm -hmm. because people don't want to hear that and they don't really know what to do with it and I get that yeah Um, there's also women um like myself have I experienced eventually further down the line I grieved Mm
0: -hmm. and And that was actually going to kind of bring me to the next question is like how did that decision and procedure affect your mental health not even just immediately but as life went on even years down the line?
1: So initially I don't think it really affected it because I did a very good job of just shutting off that part of me. Um, As I said I was Training to be a nurse, and at that point, I was working, uh, I was doing training with health visitors. Okay, so my job at that point was to go out and visit new babies. Oh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So I had the abortion and then took a couple of days off and went back to university about four days later. Wow. Uh, but went back to my placement that I was on, and the first thing that first morning back is I got handed a baby to hold. And how did you feel? I felt numb. Mm. Because I just, I I wasn't able to process what I was feeling. I wasn't able to process it or deal with it. So I just switched it off. I almost locked that part of me away. Mm -hmm. And I, I did that for years afterwards. Until it started to become something that I couldn't ignore any longer and how did you know
0: that you couldn't
1: like what were, what was coming
0: up what were the feelings what was that turning point where you just knew you couldn't keep this you know very deep
1: there was a lot of self-loading hmm. and when I would sit down and really think about why I was feeling that way there was also a lot of when friends announced that they were having children, or things like that on TV, I'd have these really strange emotional responses. Um, everything from anger to tears. I thought, okay, this, this something is causing this, and I had to really sit down and think about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I realised that I hadn't dealt with the emotional effects um, and the psychological effects of the abortion
0: yeah and I guess you hadn't grieved it seems like you didn't give yourself any time to kind of grieve that loss
1: yeah no none at all which is another thing uh I think it's hard for women in that situation I know it was for me to even acknowledge that that we're allowed to grieve because there's a lot of pressure, and the, you know, there's a lot of impression like society. But people tend to that. Well, you made that choice, so why would you be upset about it, or why would you? Why would you grieve because you you did this?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like you don't have the right to grieve. Right? Yes,
1: we're not we're not allowed to. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. or even people feel that way. Yeah, right, which, and, and I felt that way. Really for the longest time, I tried to just get on with things. I was like, no, nope, I made this decision, and I tried to just act like I was okay with it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I wasn't. So years later, it eventually became apparent that I needed to address this. That I couldn't. That I was stuck.
0: Yeah. So, so what did you do? Like, what? How did you? Use, what did you turn
1: to to kind of get through
0: that process?
1: So, for that, I. Um, I spoke to a few friends that I had at the time and one of my friends put me in touch with a post-abortion counselling service Mm. and I worked through, it was a free counseling service and the women that I met there were wonderful, there was no judgment, there was no blame, I was allowed to, I was given the space to acknowledge everything that I had been through and to grieve and to just really explore all my feelings Mm -hmm. around the whole experience and stuff that I didn't even know I was still resentment towards people that I didn't know I was holding on to wow resentment towards people who had encouraged me towards abortion
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then after it when I Regretted it and was having a hard time coping with it. I um I was harboring this resentment towards mm. them that I didn't even know I was wow. until I started to explore that. And um, how long
0: after the actual abortion did you then turn to this counselling? Like,
1: what was the gap? Oh, let me do the math in my head. Uh, three years, four years. Okay. And just out
0: of curiosity, even though this may have absolutely nothing to do with the type of care available, you were in the UK at the time yes. of having the abortion. Um were you then in the States when you turned to the aftercare or was that was that counselling also in the uk it was also in the uk that was available perfect okay just curious to know Um, if if there was a difference there
1: yeah no it was um a lot of these things tend to be done uh through non-profit organizations Mm -hmm. um i know that it can be off-putting to some people a lot of them have uh connections with uh, religious affiliations Mm. yeah and and the um the counseling service that i went through did have that but it was never it wasn't a problem
0: okay. for me
1: they weren't yeah. there was nothing dogmatic about it mm-hmm. I wasn't made to feel bad they weren't trying to convert you to no, whatever it there was, was that they practiced no yeah. um it was very it, you know they were very open about what they thought and mm-hmm. where they came from and their point of view but at no point um was that used as a judgment or criticism against me and kind of like lot of things in life you take what you can use and you Mm -hmm. leave the rest yes (laughs) yeah um and that was very much uh but those women were wonderful that's Um, awesome and I really credit them with helping me uh through that and getting me out the other side of it Mm -hmm. so
0: like you weren't even given their name and number straight after the abortion like that wasn't included in that like leaflet
1: booklet that you got afterwards no no there was nothing there was abs. there wasn't even any acknowledgement pre or post abortion that it would have any effect on my mental well-being Mm -hmm. none whatsoever it was treated entirely as a um physical health procedure that you just go in and this happens and I say this happens because I don't actually know what happens yeah <laughs> and then you come out at the other end and life goes on yeah and that for a lot of women that's that's not the case
0: yeah definitely not now you're let's fast forward now you're the proud mama of four-year-old right yes <laughs> <Very
1: adorable. laughs> four-year-old thank you so you
0: now, you know you've got one child and he's seems awesome haven't met him but seems awesome and you seem like you know the doting mother so how has having a child now many years later um kind of made you feel when you reflect back to making that decision back in 2008
1: so having a wonderful four-year-old that I have and Yes, I might be slightly biased, but I think he's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that was when I became pregnant with my son. That um, was an interesting time because I am so grateful and appreciative of the life that I have now. Mm-hmm. And I acknowledge that I possibly wouldn't have the life that I have now had I not had the past Mm -hmm. that I've had so it's an interesting dynamic uh, because on one hand it was difficult because when my son was born you know caught up in all this awesome wonderful new baby stuff Mm -hmm. at the back of my mind was well what would this other child have been like Mm. and it was there and i I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and that's where I had to go back and revisit some of the stuff that I'd covered in the counselling and just remind myself that, you know what, I did the best that I could do at the time with, with what I had available um, and just focus on that I have my son now and he's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did, um, it did bring some issues back up um that I felt the need to go and revisit
0: yeah but I mean Um, that's great that you know the the stuff you learned from the counseling was something that you could actually go back to yeah to kind of help you cope was there anything else I know you I know you do yoga um so anything else like that did did you find yoga was a good practice to kind of also help you
1: cope with that too yoga was very very good um, and when I came to a point of where I was seeking healing from this uh, decision that I'd made and, uh, and the effect that it had on my mental health, and my mental well-being, a big part of it was just acknowledgement, acknowledging what had happened. And this, I understand this is not for everybody, but I chose to memorialise uh, the abortion. Okay so so what um,
0: was that like what describe that to us if if you want to
1: Yeah um so I wrote a letter mm. um as if I was talking to the baby um that I had aborted just outlining my thoughts and why I'd come to that decision and things that my life now and things that I was happy for and things that I was sad about and uh, I attached that letter to a balloon mm. and I let the balloon go. Um and it was just a way for me to a- acknowledge it and yeah, that's... It's like
0: acknowledge and kind of release. Yes. Almost. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um and I uh it's and it's something that, that, that stayed with me, but that really helped me. Um because it was no longer just this something in the back of my head because mm-hmm. um, I think what's really difficult for a lot of women who are struggling to deal with after an abortion is that we have nothing tangible there's nothing to hold there's nothing There's nothing tactile
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, especially if like me you choose to have a surgical abortion where you're under a general anaesthetic you just go in and you know that something is in there And then you come out and it's not there. Yeah. And it's just a really, it's a really strange feeling. Mm. Um, So having that, writing that letter, setting off the balloon was just a very tactile way um, and a very visual way for me uh, to acknowledge. Awesome. Um,
0: that... yeah, that's really beautiful. I honestly, I I know there was lots of counselling services and stuff out there, but I never really thought of of having to kind of go through that to kind of acknowledge and release. That's that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, now, if you had to kind of be in a similar situation, now. Yeah. Uh, say you didn't have your four your four year old boy, and you were still studying, or you were just you know in financial crisis, or or something like that. Would you make the same decision? Would you have an abortion again, or do you think now you could make a more informed choice?
1: I would hope to never be in that situation again. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, honestly would, and I wouldn't. Wish it on anybody. Um, however, unless I'm in that situation, I genuinely don't know hmm. what my my choice would be. But I would hope, given the knowledge that I have now of everything that I went through, I would hope that I would find a way to make a different choice. Hmm.
0: Even when you said, you know, adoption, someone sitting you down and talking about adoption, because that's something not that many I imagine people would think about like it's either you have the abortion or you don't and you keep the baby and you raise the baby yeah there's other options there's plenty of couples out there looking to adopt but um, then again you know if abortion feels like the right thing for you to do then do it and you know just make sure that you get good aftercare and counselling absolutely seems to be the key way um What advice would you give to someone who is considering an abortion for whatever their circumstances are? Is there any resources or or tools that you use to kind of help you get through it?
1: The biggest thing that I would suggest is to find someone. um, Friends and family can be wonderfully supportive and helpful and by all means reach out to them, rely on them. But I also think It's very good to have a third party. Someone who is neutral, who doesn't have a vested interest one way or the other. So a counsellor who can help you without having a desire to persuade you one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say without having an agenda that's not meant to make it seem... Like a bad thing, but someone who is completely neutral, who you can genuinely sit down with and discuss all the options and all you know, someone who can ask you the hard questions. Yeah. So that you are, no matter which way you turn this decision, and no matter what thought crosses your mind, that you are a hundred percent or as close to that as you can be about the decision that you're going to make. I think that would probably be my biggest thing is to see if you you know find someone impartial yeah who can help you figure out what is best for you yeah um and your circumstances uh and should you choose um to go through with an abortion please reach out because there are people out there if you are feeling anything other than okay with it afterwards there are post-abortion support groups there are if if that feels like too much to uh, attend something like that Mm -hmm. there are resources on the internet you can there are post-abortion workbooks Mm -hmm. that you can get uh, like on amazon and stuff Mm -hmm. so you can just work through that in the privacy of your own home Mm -hmm. there's there's no need to In a room with other people, yeah, that feels too, uh, you know, it's too much. I mean,
0: that's that's great. I'll um, definitely, usually, with things like this, I try and find some links online that I can post in the show notes so people Mm -hmm. can refer to those if they need. If you have any, Gail, feel free to send them anything you remember using. Yeah, my way, and I'll make sure to post them. And if there's anyone listening, even once the episode's been published, like, feel free to send me those resources because I can still continue to publish them on the page that we kind of post your um you know the link to so I'll definitely make sure to to add that um why do you think abortion is still deemed as an uncomfortable
1: conversation oh because I think for so long it's been it's been polarized and it's a very it's a very emotional topic people get mm. fired up over this and we've polarized it very much into two camps and then there's women like me that are kind of in the middle mm. and it almost i think feels like there's two groups that are fighting and shouting over the top of our heads yeah <laughs> <laughs> that they both think they're in the right and that both got points to be right about and the yeah other times they both miss the mark, um and I think a lot of the time that's what makes it uncomfortable is because we don't hear a lot from the women who've gone through it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: we hear a oh, and that's not to say that uh people on either side of this divide shall we say haven't gone yeah. through it, yeah, but we don't hear a lot. From women in that position who are speaking from that point of view,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I think it is it is an uncomfortable situation, conversation to have because you're dealing with something very personal, yeah, and you're dealing with something that is very emotional, and also I think. Because you're dealing with something that depending on what situation you are in and maybe the group of people that you are with, you can be loved or hated Hmm. depending on your uh, point of view. Yeah. Did you subject. ever experience,
0: um, you know, whether during the process or after any kind of, you know, pro-lifers coming and giving you a lecture or, you know, pro-choicers coming to you and talking to you and how,
1: how was, how was that? I've experienced both. Okay. So I have experienced uh, people on the uh, pro- birth side of things and i use the term uh pro-birth mm-hmm. because i think pro-life is a much yes they have the monopoly on that term um but i think pro-life for me is a much broader argument okay um uh so i think what we have is people who are pro-birth um i'll just will uh, mention a quote from sister joan Chichester, uh who's a benedictine nun which is probably the last person you would expect Uh, to to make (laughs) comment on something like this but she says that uh, and you'll have to excuse me if the quote is not word for word perfect but uh, she also uses the term uh, pro-birth because she feels that if you all you want is a child born and not a child fed a child housed a child educated then really what you are is pro-birth and not pro-life and that pro-life is for all life and all stages of life,
0: yeah, uh, it's and a that, much
1: bigger picture. Yes, yeah, and that just always stuck with me. So that, mm. hence, the reason as a little sidebar uh, why I use yeah. the term pro-birth. Okay, no, that's uh, interesting. So I've had people from that side of the argument, um, quite frankly, call me a murderer, mm. um, which in the beginning stages that was hard yeah to deal with yeah. that was uh but now I I guess now it's water off a duck's back I've heard it <laughs> kind it's okay. of a bit like change the record yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and if you're really trying to get me around right to your way of thinking this is not how to go about it definitely right <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from the other side I've had uh from those on the pro-choice uh side of things And again, I don't know what term I would use instead of pro-choice because that doesn't sit well with me Mm, either. Um, For the reasons that pro-choice to me means all choices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are we looking from the people on that side of the divide, shall we say, um, are you looking at ways to support women who choose pregnancy? Are you looking at ways to support adoption? Mm-hmm. You know, these. This is yeah. if you if you genuinely want to ha- for women to have genuine choice. Then what are we doing to make sure that if it's just a financial issue, if that's all that stands in the way of a woman making a different choice, what are we doing to support that?
0: Yeah, what could be to done? make like, that. Yeah, like what sort of education?
1: yeah and it happen, and mm-hmm. and if if women are young women like myself are at university then are, are you campaigning to get me access to child care if it's needed this to me this is pro-choice this is yeah. all the choices it's a lot larger than just whether you
0: choose or not to have that baby yes yeah
1: yeah um and so yes i've had people on that side of things completely uh disregard my feelings Mm. and when i voiced that hey i i wasn't okay with it i do regret it i've been shut down there because they didn't want to hear that you you know that it is something that sometimes women regret yeah and they didn't want to hear that there was after effects you know more than just physically yeah they didn't want to hear that I struggled mentally and emotionally afterwards. Uh, So yeah, I've had it from both sides.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's hard. And I mean, you know, I had never even kind of thought of how both those sides have much bigger pictures, you know, and that they're just arguing this tiny, tiny, small piece almost. Not to say it's not a big decision, you know, I don't mean it that way, but just like the one, one piece of that decision right whereas once you have that baby dear god like there's so many other decisions and things that you're going to have to do in your life or if you choose not to have that baby there's going to be a hell of a lot after effects that you're going to have to deal with too right and what's where's the support there like it's like the support only goes so far
1: yes yeah Yeah. it it extends as far as either Mm -hmm. having the child or going through with an abortion and then it's almost like both sides just go okay yeah work's done
0: yeah there you go good luck I don't even know if they say good luck, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll say good luck but that's, that's,
1: but that's it yeah. um and I think there needs to we need to find a way to have a much more honest mm-hmm. and open conversation around this whole thing yeah. without people getting at each other's throats. Yes, it's a very emotive um, subject, but that doesn't mean we can't have conversation around it. I think we need better services. Yeah. I think we need better support. I would never, for one, say that abortion should be made illegal because if history has taught us anything, Mm -hmm. that doesn't work. Yeah quite frankly, you know, um, theft is illegal, does it stop people from stealing? No. Um, I think it would be more, it would be dangerous um, if we went back that way, we only need to look at our own history in Britain and Ireland, Yeah. Um, about what happened before it was legalised.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean horrific illegal procedures that yes. were not regulated and
1: disturbing
0: no. like
1: oh yeah awful um and for any of your listeners that are possibly interested in that and maybe don't know too much about it there's a fabulous film called Beira Drake drake mm, okay um and it is about a woman uh who performed uh what you call backstreet abortions um oh. in britain it's based on a true story okay um, and it's a very good film and it's not an easy watch doesn't glorify it or anything but it's it shows you what the reality of that was okay um but I think we definitely have to have a more open and honest conversation and find a better way to help and support women who find themselves in this situation for whatever reason
0: yeah now what do you think and I'm not asking you to obviously change the world (laughs) but like (laughs) What do you think that could look like? Like when you say, you know, we could have these conversations, how do you visualize that happening if if you do?
1: The way I see it is that people on both sides need to put down the placards and stop demanding to be right. This mm-hmm. idea of I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it's not gonna get us anywhere because right like, in the middle is the women who are suffering yeah okay for for whatever you know the women who are suffering because they can't access appropriate health services the women who are suffering because they regret their choice just they, these are the these are the people we need to be concerned with and if you genuinely want to do something to help then we need to stop arguing about who's right and who's wrong and why they're right and why they're wrong and put that aside and say, what can we do Mm -hmm. to genuinely make a difference in this situation? What can we put in place? Can we put in better access to contraceptives? Better education? Can we put in better services to support women who choose to continue their pregnancy but are struggling financially or need support to continue their education? Or can we be more open in conversation about adoption? Yes. And not look at people strangely if that's the choice. You know, can we open up the conversation about adoption because it happens? Yeah. Um, and I have people in my family who are adopted and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And it's, it's it can be a wonderful gift. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Especially, for, you
0: know, there's lots of parents out there who can't have kids. Yes, and right. we
1: need to be okay. We genuinely be okay with that because I think sometimes we're okay with the idea of adoption when other people do it. Mm-hmm. But how? think about how we actually would respond to someone who chooses to get their baby up for adoption. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I just think there needs to be a lot more calming down on both sides yes. and having adult conversation so to put aside who's right and who's wrong and just say okay this is the situation that we find ourselves in what can we do to help yeah
0: I love that and I really hope that one day it happens perhaps I don't know I'm being naive but um I really do hope I don't know if it's something that you would consider starting because I feel like you would be an amazing person to do that because I know you personally and I know how amazing (laughs) you are but um I think this is it's been an amazing conversation and i really want to thank you for sharing this because i'm pretty certain there are hundreds if not thousands if not even more millions of women out there who kind of need to hear that and um, don't want to feel alone so thank
1: you so much you are absolutely welcome and if i was to speak to your listeners that are maybe mm-hmm. connecting with this Can I just tell you that you're not alone. I'm here, I'm one voice, but I guarantee I'm not the only one. And please, if you need the help and support, it's there. You just gotta reach out for it. Thank you so much. You are welcome.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Uncomfortable. I'm really grateful to Gail for opening up and sharing her experience, thoughts and feelings around a very sensitive and vulnerable topic. I'd love to hear your comments and your feedback on the episode, so please feel free to share them in the comments section over on our website. If you are interested in connecting with Gail, then you can do that by emailing us at hello at uncomfortable.blog and we'll make sure to pass the message on. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and on Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. You can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small $5 per month so that we can keep on talking about uncomfortable conversations. For more information, visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate. Thanks once again for listening. Now remember, go out there and get uncomfortable.